Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Book two of the Shadow Magic series. Read by the author. Chapter 4. Prisoner Fallon I heard him before I even rounded the corner. When I reached the door, two guards, a banshee and an imp, jumped to attention. Take it easy, guys, I said. They relaxed, but not much. Then I jumped when I heard the volume of the shouts on the other side of the door. Do you know who I am? Brendan bellowed with a voice that was going hoarse. You are all in big trouble, do you hear me? I motioned for the door to be opened. The banshee reached for the handle, and the imp stepped in front of me, grabbing his banta stick. Hold on, I said, putting a hand on his shoulder. That won't be necessary. Are you sure you want to go in there alone? The imp asked. I'm sure. Just then a thunderous crash shook the door from the inside. Well, maybe you could lend me your stick. The imp looked at me with an it's-your-funeral-type look and handed me his banta stick. Brendan, I called through the door. I'm coming in. Don't attack me, okay? There was no answer, so I braced myself and stuck my nose around the jam. Detective Fallon was standing in the middle of the room. His shirt tail was half out. His hair stuck out in a wacky 45-degree angle. He was panting and covered with sweat. His eyes weren't as crazy as the last time I saw them, but I wasn't about to shake his hand. I closed the door behind me. I see you've been busy turning our furniture into toothpicks. Kidnapping is a very serious crime. Well, well you can add it to the murder charge if you like, but I didn't do either of them. And where am I? He said, taking a menacing step towards me. Easy, fella, I said, positioning my stick. I don't want to hit you with one of these a third time. A third time? Yeah, I hit you once in the neck at the police station and once in the head upstairs. Was that you? He said, rubbing the side of his head where I'm sure it hurt. Yeah, sorry. I, I got a little carried away. I don't remember much about the second time, he said, calming down a bit. I was freaked out, I finished for him. Don't worry about it. The land can do that to you. I know. Hey, let's sit down and talk about this nicely. I looked around the room, but there wasn't any place to sit. Not one piece of furniture was any bigger than my forearm. Keeping one eye on Brendan, I backed up to the door and opened it a crack. Could you get us a couple of chairs? I glanced back at the devastation of the room. Uh, cheap ones. Brendan glared at me while I kicked pieces of smashed furniture into the corner. A guard came in carrying two simple chairs. Are these cheap enough for you, your highness? They'll be fine, I said, indicating with a tilt of my head for him to leave. Brendan examined his chair before he sat in it. I wasn't sure if he didn't trust me or if he was studying to see how easy it would be to smash. What language are you speaking? Ancient Gaelic. They call it the common tongue around here. And just where is here? 
You're in the land, Brendan. I wasn't lying. Are you telling me that I'm in that never-never land you babbled on about? Tiernanog, actually, but now that I think about it, the concept's the same. And who are you, then? Tinkerbell? Well, I'd prefer to think of myself as more of a Peter-like person, but we're getting off the subject. You're here now. I don't know how you got here. The last thing I remember, I grabbed onto a horse's tail. Oh, I said. Well, that explains it. You were pulled through when my mother opened the door to the other world. This world. The land. I do not believe you. Well, I don't blame you. It even sounds crazy to me, and I've done it a couple of times before, but that's the truth of it. It would be easier if you accepted it. Brendan rubbed his head in a place where I clocked him. Your head hurt? He nodded. Have you eaten? In response, he pointed to his left. A tray lay at the foot of the wall surrounded by broken crockery. Above it dripped the remains of breakfast. I'll take that as a no, then. I stood and again cracked open the door and spoke to the guards. Could you get me a couple of apples and some willow tea? Okay, Brendan said when we sat down again. For the sake of argument, let's say I believe you. When are you going to let me go? I'll talk to my mom about sending you back as soon as things calm down around here. I want to see her now. A knock came on the door. I was glad for the excuse to stand up and put a bit of space between us. He was getting agitated again. The guard handed me a tray with two apples, a teapot, and a couple of mugs. I placed it on the floor between us and offered Brendan an apple. He stared at it, but he didn't take it. I'm not trying to poison you, Brendan. Look. I took a bite out of the apple. It was gorgeous. As good, if not better than I remembered. Oh, you have got to try this, I garbled as I wiped juice off my chin. It'll, it'll change your whole outlook. Brendan took the already bitten apple from my hand, stared at it for a moment, and then took a bite. The look on his face made me laugh. Now I know what it looked like the first time I ate an apple in the land. I watched as Brendan, making the mandatory moans of delight, demolished the piece of fruit. When we finished, he threw the core over his shoulder and then slapped himself in the face. Hard. What are you doing? I asked. I'm waking myself up. I get it now. This is all a dream. A dream? Of course. Why didn't I see it before? Two beautiful young women single-handedly demolish a police station. I get kidnapped by extras in a King Arthur movie, and I just had an apple that tasted like a five-course meal at the Ritz. Of course it's a dream. He slapped himself again. Okay, Brendan, if that makes you happy, then fine. You believe it. Now, are you going to behave in this dream? Sure, why not? I might as well enjoy myself before I wake up. The shame of it is I probably won't remember it. I never remember my dreams. He stood up and stretched and actually looked like he was having fun. Can I have another one of those apples? Sure. Look, if you promise not to turn any furniture into kindling and generally settle down, I'll get you a bath in a new room. And more apples? And more apples. Just behave. Oh, and try that willow tea. I think you'll enjoy that too. I instructed the guards to get Brendan a bath and a change of clothes and a new room. I told him he shouldn't give them any more trouble, but they should keep a close eye on him. They looked skeptical, but agreed. I went back to Dad's room and kept vigil with Mom, Neve, Fawn, and the Impealer, who I learned was named Bree. Minutes felt like hours, and as everyone crawled by, 
I wanted to ask how he was doing, but I knew they didn't know, so I didn't ask. I hate waiting. I always have, but that was the worst. I felt so helpless. Fawn recited a healing mantra in Ohim, and I asked her to teach it to me. I could feel the healing magic in the words, but wondered if it was getting through Dad's amber shell. As the afternoon moved on, we all five chanted it together. The curtain was drawn, so I couldn't tell if night had fallen, but Mom and Fawn both looked up at each other at the same time, as if they were alerted by some soundless alarm. Fawn removed Dad's sheet as Mom placed a small dollop of amber sap in her palm and held it over the shadow fire that was burning on the table at the foot of the bed. She dripped the molten sap onto Dad's foot. It was a darker shade of amber than his shell, and I watched as it passed through like water in a bowl of oil. The darker sap began to entwine and elongate, wrapping around the leg like a serpent, and then continued to thin until it wrapped his entire body with a fine line just underneath the surface of his glass-like sarcophagus. Fawn placed her hand on either side of Dad's head and encanted in Ohim. The lettucework spiraled and pulsed darker. Mom held Dad by his legs and swung them to the left so his right foot hung out of the bed. Even though I had seen it before, it shocked me to see Dad's whole body move as if he was made of marble. Fawn released Dad's head, and Mom cupped her hands under the foot. The dark spile retraced its path, and when Mom pulled her hands back, in her palm was the dark sap. Mom held the sap over the shadow fire, and Fawn, on the other side of the table, placed her hands under hers. Together, they chanted words that sounded so strange I wondered how their tongues could make it. The sap dripped through their fingers and onto the shadow fire. An image formed as they withdrew, and as the vision cleared, I saw it was my father standing before me, upright, naked. His body was whole except for his right hand. It was in its proper place, but detached from him by a few centimeters. The two shadow witches placed their hands into the vision and caressed Dad's shadow form. Mom had her back to me, but I could see Fawn's face. Tears formed in her eyes. I didn't know what that meant. A cry escaped from Mom's throat, and the two women reached for each other, breaking the vision and embraced, both openly weeping. What? I said, not knowing if I should speak, but I couldn't take it any longer. Mom turned and wiped the tears from her eyes, but kept her hands over her mouth as she tried to compose herself. Finally, she dropped them and crossed her hands on her chest. It worked, she said. It wasn't until it was all over that Mom allowed her fatigue and strain to show. Neve and I had to help her walk to her chambers where she permitted herself to truly rest for the first time in a long time. I went back to check on Dad. Fawn was still there, clearing up. Does he dream? I asked. I do not know, she replied. What happens now? Now we have time to find a cure. How long can he stay like this? Her answer should have comforted me, but instead it sent a chill down my spine. Forever, she said.
I checked on Dad before I went down to breakfast. The sound of Fawn saying, forever, echoed in my brain, and I wondered if this was the way I would start my day for the rest of my life. I was shocked by the sight of a transformed Brendan when I arrived at the food hall. He was smiling, cleaned up, and wearing a leather shirt and trousers that surprisingly suited him. He was trying to communicate with an attractive red-headed woman who, when I arrived, stood bowed and quickly departed. Oh, you scared her away, Brendan said. I was doing quite well there. I already found out her name was Faggy, too. When he said that, I started to laugh. What's so funny? And then I laughed so hard I had to sit down and cover my face until I could get some semblance of composure. It wasn't that what he said was all that funny. It was just the tension of the last couple of days bubbling to the surface. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brendan, I said, wiping my eyes. I don't think you were doing as well as you thought. Fahakatu is Gaelic for go away. Oh, ouch. And what are you doing trying to pick up women? You're a married man. Well, first of all, this is my dream, remember? A man can't get into trouble for having an affair when he's asleep. And secondly, I am not a married man. You told me you had a wife and a daughter. No. You said I had a wife and a daughter. I only said I have a daughter. His mood dropped a bit. I'm a widower. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. Hey, what do you think of my new threads? He said quickly, obviously trying to change the subject. You look like a native, I said, and I meant it. Or even growing a beard, I see. Oh, not on purpose. Frick there wouldn't give me a razor. Frick? Brendan pointed to the imp and the banshee guards that I had assigned to keep an eye on him. I call him Frick and Frank. I waved to the guards who were standing by the entrance of the room. They gave me an official nod. I could tell this was not their favoritists of details. Which one's Frick? I don't know. I keep getting them mixed up. Breakfast arrived, and Brendan ate like there was no tomorrow. Except for the chomping and the moans, neither of us spoke until our plates were clean. When we finished, Brendan said, The food in this dream is just fantastic. Half the time I can't wait to wake up, but for the other half I hope it'll continue until the next meal. Brendan, you have to stop thinking like that. I know it makes you feel better, but this is real. Neve entered the dining hall. Brendan jumped to his feet and backed off. She sat down across from me and said, How was our guest? Wearily, Brendan sat next to me and leaned back as if for protection and pointed to Neve. Well, that's the witch that trashed my police station. What did he say? Oh, he said, uh, good morning. It's nice to see you again. I lied. Neve gave me a skeptical look. Well, this is my dream and I do not want her in it. He shouted, pointing his fingers inches from her face. Careful, Brendan, I warned. What is he saying? Neve asked again, but then said, Oh, this is ridiculous. Tell him to place his head on the table. It took a lot of convincing, but I finally got Brendan to place the side of his face flat down on the table. Neve took a small piece of gold out of her satchel and rubbed it between her hands while encanting. Brendan looked up with a wild, panicky look in his uppermost eye. Is this going to hurt? 
He wants to know if this is going to hurt, I translated. Yes, I suspect it will, Neve said calmly. No, I told Brendan, you'll be fine. Neve opened her palm and dripped the molten gold into Brendan's ear. He shot up, grabbed his ear, overturning the bench he was sitting on, and danced around the room, howling in pain. I was glad that no one other than me spoke English. The curse words coming out of his mouth would have made a prison inmate blush. He picked up a silver tray, sending half a dozen wine glasses crashing to the floor, and tried to use it as a mirror to view his ear. At his insistence, I had to inspect his lug hole and assure him that it looked okay, which it did, and that finally got him sitting down again. What the hell did she do to me? Now, stick out your tongue, Neve demanded. No way, lady. I'm not letting you near me ever again. I looked at Neve, and she smiled at me. Brendan, I said in Gaelic, can you understand me? Of course I can understand you. You keep that crazy woman away from me. Brendan, I'm talking to you in ancient Gaelic. Are you sure? You can understand me? Huh? It seems that Neve has given you a two-second lesson in the common tongue. You just learned a new language. Why, why that's impossible. Well, impossible things happen here every day. Now, Brendan, Neve said, stick out your tongue and I will complete the process. Then we will no longer need to speak through Connor. Personally, I do not trust him as a reliable interpreter. Brendan clenched his mouth shut and shook his head no like a baby that wouldn't eat his dinner. It took even more of an effort to convince him the second time. I tried everything, including agreeing with him that it didn't matter because it was all really a dream. It wasn't until I threatened never to feed him again that he gave in. Come on, I said. Stop being such a baby. It flippin' hurt. You do it. I rolled my eyes at him, but to be honest, it wasn't something I wanted to experience. Ask her, ask her if it'll hurt as much as the last time. Ask her that exactly. I translated, and Neve said, no. Brendan watched with crossed eyes as the molten gold hit his tongue. He not only flipped over the chair, but the table as well. He hopped around the dining hall, screaming bloody murder, and this time everybody in the room heard exactly what he was saying. Most of them left in order to get some distance between them and the madman. Cah! Almighty, Brendan screamed from behind his hand in perfect Gaelic. You said this wouldn't hurt as much. No, Neve replied in her usual calm manner. You asked if it would hurt as much as the last time, and I said no. I knew it would hurt more. Neve gave me a rueful smile. I was starting to realize that she had a wickedly subversive sense of humor. Now that I can converse with you, Neve said, I realize... I do not want to, if you will excuse me. Neve left. I asked a waiter to bring Brendan a glass of Jared's finest wine. It was a bit early, but I figured he would appreciate it. He did. After one sip, he downed the glass and won. Are you okay? I asked. To be honest, Connor, I am not sure. This dream is way too real for my liking. I keep telling you, it's not a dream. All right, then. As much as I don't relish meeting another member of your family, how about that introduction to your father you promised me? I don't think I ever promised you that. As good as. Well? Okay, I said. 
Come with me. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenehan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Shadow Magic, book one of the series, is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.